This is Data Basement. Hello and welcome to Data Basement. My name is Daniel Fernandez and I'm the host for this podcast. Today joining us, we have Randy Lariar, and he is an advanced analytics and data strategy manager at EY based out of New York City. Hello, Randy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, great to talk all about data strategy. But before we jump into it, why don't you give us a little bit of your background and how you made it to your current role? Sure. So um, I'm currently a management consultant at EY, where um, I spend a lot of time with uh, leaders and executives uh, focused around questions of data and analytics and how to uh, both think of them strategically and implement them tactically. Uh, and so I got here kind of on a, on a winding route. I started in, in industry, uh, as we call it, in, in a, uh, you know, working for a financial services company out of school. The role I was in uh, was called the business analyst. Today, I think it would be called a product manager. And I was essentially responsible for developing features and functionalities on a website that financial professionals use for, for research. So it was a front end of a data product. And that was a really great uh, exposure to all sorts of things from you know, the product management, discipline, marketing, different aspects of uh, financial services and, and how different types of businesses in that, in that sector you know, use data and what they use it for. Um, and as I continued on my career, I moved around in that company into a from, from kind of a, a front-end product management role to kind of like a back-end product management role, focusing on data. That group was the first time that I guess I had a data strategy in my title. Um, and that was really, I was responsible for different domains of data that were coming into the company, either through automated feeds or we had large teams you know, around the world collecting the data and then doing different things around standardizing it, cleaning it up, uh, packaging it in a way that was useful and uh, presenting it to the, to the front office analysts who are using it to, to do different things about uh, you know, making decisions impacting their, the financial services industry. So did that for about seven or eight years and then had the opportunity to come over to EY, which basically builds on kind of both sides of, of the brain, if you will, you know, that there's, there's the, how do you actually make data move and, and get it into a useful piece? And then how do you also present it to a client? And how do you present it to a, a business leader who may not think in terms of databases and, and tables and joins, but instead thinks in terms of, you know, return on investment and, you know, making, making smart moves with, with their data and their business to try to, uh, you know, increase shareholder value. So I'm all over the place in the data map and it's uh, really fun for me. I like to explore both sides of those problems and try to bridge the gap. Excellent. So it sounds like a, a pretty well-rounded experience with data um, and more importantly, also, uh, being able to realize the value in, in creating data products, which uh, we're going to spend some time digging a little bit deeper on. But before we do that, uh, since you have had experience on both what needs to be presented in a user interface, what kind of data is more relevant to the user, but you also had a look at the processing and what's happening behind the scenes. What would you say, could you describe a few uh, data trends that you have experienced and how how, I, how it has evolved, both the processing and, and the way that data is presented to users nowadays. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there was, a, there was a sense maybe 10 years ago, it was uh, software is eating the world. And now it's, you know, data and AI is eating the world. You know, so it's certainly a topic that has become uh, progressively more and more sexy as time has gone on. I think that uh, there's a lot of data means a lot of different things to different people. So you know, again, it depends on the kind of business that we're working with and kind of where in the business you sit. But 
overarching trends is, you know, obviously AI and machine learning are having a big impact. There's a lot of automation and, and you know, decisioning that's happening even today that the human is almost removed from the loop from. And there's a lot more on the horizon. Um, and so I think that, that there's a lot of activity and action to try to understand what that implication means, what it is, what it is not, uh, and how to, uh, you know, how to make that data, you know, the, the magic happen. I think underneath that kind of like, you know, bright flashy headline, there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of, you know, the, the, the classic master data management, data quality, data governance. A lot of times these things are, are garbage in, garbage out. And so if you're not a large organization that kind of has the capability to kind of process that pre-made analytical package that could be then used for automation and, and AI, then you're going to have uh, a lot of trouble, you know, kind of getting started with that type of stuff in any kind of like industrial enterprise way. Um, and so then there's also just a lot of stuff about like, what is, what does data science mean in terms of uh, how do you make it, you know, an asset for your business? You can hire a couple of amazing PhDs and, and you know, brilliant uh, developers, data engineers, data scientists. How do you take that and, you know, make it more than just a science project and kind of work it into the value stream of a business? And a lot of financial services companies are, are starting to figure this out. And some of them are still kind of digging around and, and you know, it depends on what part of the business as well. You know, so some of those are kind of, there's a spectrum of, of maturity in terms of where, where everybody is on that, but definitely an increase in interest, definitely, you know, everybody's taking it seriously. And then in, in parts of the business that maybe are not core data, that aren't actually like making data and, and working databases day in, day out, how do we integrate with platforms and third parties that do use data to make things more effective? You know, like in, in terms of does the data need to live in our database? Do we use, uh, you know, Facebook's database, you know, with, with some, some degree of like paying for advertising and paying for, you know, custom audiences and stuff like that. Where, where does the data live? Who has the, um, you know, responsibility for getting it right? Then regulators, you know, legal, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, you know, so this is all in flight and it's all very much uh, relevant for the, the clients that I talk to. And it's really interesting because it's, it's as much as everybody wants to focus on like the big, big picture, like, oh my gosh, you know, AI is coming to eat the world. There's, there's a lot of related data work of an understanding that's still, still happening to get us there. Uh, yeah. So we have a lot to unpack there and, and this yeah. is a great start. So let's uh, maybe start with one of the key trends that you described. And this is applicable not only to developing data products or to, to, making sense of all this new data that is getting generated. It happens in technology often that sometimes we implement technology for the sake of technology, whether it's AI, whether it's something else. So why don't we spend some time talking about what, what is really making data actionable? What does it mean to make data actionable? And why is it important to outline that goal and what the business goals are before we even get into the weeds? Yeah, absolutely. And this is a place where I think technology and data can learn a lot from uh, product management and, you know, the, the, the concept of start with the customer in mind and the, the end user in mind, right? It doesn't actually even matter what data technology you use, whether it's, you know, deep neural network or a, a, a simple random number generator, right? What has to happen is does the end user understand what the, what the calculation is telling them and are they able to take some kind of, you know, meaningful action? So I, I, I do think we spend a lot of time and, and energy and effort on, on kind of the engineering part, which is, is totally important. But if it's not aligned to that, um, you know, what the action, what's going to be different because we have data, then a lot of it isn't isn't necessarily worth the effort. So a lot of, you know, a lot of the 
the trick is really knowing how to say no and how to focus on, you know, do you have stakeholders, you know, whether those are customers, whether those are internal, do you have people who are going to take the output of this data and uh, use it to improve their business or improve their processes? And, you know, will that, once that's worked out, what does that look like? What do they need to know to have confidence? And then how do you build the pipe and build the, build the tool into that to, to create that action? And I think that uh, a lot of times people, people in businesses have a hard time because it's, there's so much data that it's easy to start on the, on the build side of it. It's a little, it's, it's a little harder or counterintuitive to start on the, you know, why are we even doing this side of it? Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. And it's a product management is usually an underrated function in many organizations. And you see even companies that early on uh, don't have necessarily a product management area or a person of focus that, that can kind of like guide the, the process in identifying what is that product market fit that's, uh, or what is it that, that moves the needle for, for what needs to be implemented. So on that, on that note, sounds a lot like to start a data project in order to power a data project, you need a data strategy. So why don't we talk a little bit about what is a data strategy and why is it important to have one? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like AI and, and, and data in general. It can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but it's important to be clear about what it means for you and your team. You know, so at the, you know, at, at a organizational level, right. You know, data strategy is, is set up to respond to your business strategy. So how do you make money? How do you operate your business? How do you stay out of trouble with uh, the law and the compliance? You know, the different things that a business needs to do. Uh, how does data support those? And what are the investments and things that you will do and you will stop doing that will um, add to that, you know, to that overarching goal? You know, it, data management and data mastering is important, um, but it is not the only thing, right? So it's almost, you know, what, what, is the, what are the important fields and things that, you know, have to be absolutely right? Like you cannot, you can't ma make a mistake with your transactional, you know, database if, if you're, if you're, you know, running a business that relies on transactions, you have to make sure those are, those are reconciled and you don't have, you know, multiple versions of what you sold or what, what, um, what money you have coming in. Uh, on the other hand, maybe it doesn't matter if your, if your, your data for social media is stored in different silos and in different parts of the business based on what they're doing. Strategy is, is a lot about making those choices and, you know, where do you put your resources and align your effort? to try to have the impact you're looking to have. And that's at the, you know, the big picture. On, a, um, on an actual project, you know, strategy is, is a big term, but you can really just think about it of have, having clarity of, of what the purpose is, right? So again, who, who is your project for? What are their needs? Who's on the project team? Um, and what does success look like? And actually, a lot of times, um, projects will be also uh, benefit from defining what failure looks like. You know, what does it mean to, to be successful? What's the metric we're measuring? What are the things we're trying to make happen with this uh, data activity? You got to have that stuff worked out in the, in the beginning. You have to have, uh, especially in, in an enterprise, in, in an organization, who are your stakeholders, who's providing funding, who's, who's, who gets to say what done means. All this stuff is like not necessarily exciting and important in um, you know what everybody dreams about when they're learning how to become a, a data scientist or a coder. But you know these are the type of things that successful projects have that unsuccessful projects don't. Because once you have clarity on like what the purpose is and who who's in who's in the um, you know project team and who can make decisions, then you're able to start to really implement and uh, you know you actually pick up speed. 
you come up with a problem, you hit a roadblock, and you have the people already kind of in the fold who are able to clear that for you and help you to overcome the challenges, right? Then, you know, obviously, depending on what the data job is, you know, is it, is it engineering heavy? Do you need to, you know, bring on the right resources that can do that? Do you have to go out and collect the data? Is that something that could be found uh, online? Does someone actually manually have to go in and, and key it in? You know, what is the right resource mix? All that stuff kind of flows down from the strategy of like, why are we here? And who, what, where, when, why is involved with the actual, you know, data work that we're going to be doing. Got it. So, it, so a lot of it is why, and maybe we can break that down a, li a little bit further. And you have alluded to the possibility that the data strategy will depend on the industry that the firm is in. And it also depend the level of maturity that the firm has, whether it's a, a, a brand new company or it's in a late stage as a company. It, it's almost as fair to say that it's, there's a sort of spectrum to data strategy where in one end, you may be wanting to uh, play defense because you have to comply with regulatory requirements. Uh, you have to make sure that your data is of high quality uh, for the input of advanced analytics, like, like you mentioned, but then you may also have a more offensive view on data. And that is, it is your strategic advantage and you're gonna drive almost every product decision based on your data. It's almost like two areas of focus where, where one is uh, driving the new product development and the other one is more, it is a fundamental aspect of your business. Like you said, if your operations rely on transactions, you need to make sure those transactions are accurate. Uh, what would you say are some perhaps mistakes that firms uh, you've witnessed done in, in, in either end, whether you're playing the more defensive role in ensuring data quality or you're doing offense? Um, you know, I think that that is, you know, it's a spectrum and I guess the mistakes generally happen when there's not alignment about where in a spectrum particular task is, you know, if, if there's too much offense, when the organization needs defense, that can be a problem, right? Because you, you end up creating duplicates and, and, you know, in messy data, basically, if there's too much defense, when you need offense, obviously, then you start building things in house and you start doing things like unnecessarily and you create a lot of cost and, you know, maybe, maybe build some interesting science projects, but don't do a lot of, um, you know, interesting value creation. I think that the, you know, it's, it's very difficult to kind of get everybody kind of marching from the same, same page of the book. Like that, that is definitely one of the, the key challenges that I think organizations have in general, especially then with data when, when it's not always understood, you know, it's not as, as easy to understand throughout the organization, depending on what your level of, of skill and awareness is in terms of the data. So definitely misalignment is, is a big problem. And then, you know, I think there's, there's also maybe, you know, small P politics of, of, you know, different people have different kind of organizations. And, you know, a lot of times the data structure of a, of a large company will look more like the org chart than like, you know, what it needs to. Um, and it's kind of like, you can kind of just tell, um, you know, there's no reason for this consumer facing business and this consumer facing business to have two completely separate customer masters, but for whatever reason, those organizations haven't integrated. And so, um, you know, that, that it, sometimes that's politics. Sometimes that's just, again, if it's a more offensive business, then it maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you're really focusing on, on like things like sales and, and kind of new business where it doesn't necessarily need to be kind of perfectly pristine because, you know, it's, it's, you're out there to try to try to drive, you know, value into other parts of the business, then, then that's okay too. You know, some examples could even include like, I've done some work with, uh, 
you know, like wealth management and, you know, like brokerage type businesses in which basically every individual is kind of like their own mini business. They've got their own Rolodex, their own CRM, sometimes their own like sales processes. And so if you try to like look at a view of a customer across that business, it could be really, really messy. And that's only ever a problem when they want to try to do things like consolidate, bring things into your house, or if a regulator comes knocking, which is you know difficult. But otherwise, you kind of want your frontline so, uh, staff to be doing whatever makes them the most effective. And if that needs to be an Excel spreadsheet, you kind of just you know grit your teeth and <laughs> say good luck with that. But it, it you have to have both feet in both both worlds, right? And you have to be realistic about what is what is driving value, and also like realistic about it. If doing it this way is going to create a billion dollar liability in the future, then it doesn't matter you know, how upset they are. You have to do some things to, to, to protect yourself from that front. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting dynamic to see how the data, where there's the data architecture evolves depending on, on business needs. So in, in my experience and uh, as a technologist at an investment bank for a while, I, I, I did witness exactly what you described, where you have different lines of business that are not necessarily uh, trying to outdo each other, but they're trying to grow as fast as they can in their own little verticals. So that means that there's a lot of very key decisions around data that get done. And then as you described towards the end, when you want to maximize the value of a customer, you want to have that cross-section look across all these different lines of business. And that's when those early decisions of, of data architecture come to bite you, right? Whether it's for uh, regulatory reasons, you said, where you have to uh, report or you need to understand what kind of data is spread out in your organization. But more importantly, uh, it makes it really challenging for you to deliver value to your customers by bringing all that data together. And you usually end up with things like uh, data redundancy or duplication of data across the board. So let's now, you, you mentioned at the very beginning, uh, it is important to have data quality. Uh, otherwise you have garbage in, garbage out. And, and to accelerate your time to insight or your time to developing the data product, you got to make sure uh, that you have data quality. So why don't we spend some time maybe first elaborating on what is data management? Why is it important? What are some of the key components of data management? From a... Um you know, from the actual practice of, of data management that all those things you described kind of fall into that. And, you know, it's almost like the, the remedy to the situation you're describing with lots of different versions of, of information. Um, it's going from thinking about uh, data as, you know, information that lives in a bunch of different systems to thinking about it in terms of domains and, you know, a customer. There's, you have a customer is an individual, right? There's only one me and one you there's not 20 different versions of me uh, spread out across the systems, right? So as you start to, you know, look at these, these fields, um, start to consolidate, or at the very least, uh, document, you know, the different flavors of, you know, when it, when is, uh, you know, when is Randy, you know, user one, two, three in this system and XYZ in that system. And, you know, whereas my birth date is recorded in one system and my age is in a different system. And what happens when you take today's date minus my birth date, do you get the age, right? Um, when you start to look at different things that I've purchased or the, the obligations that you take on as, as with me as a customer, am I being, you know, uh, are the interactions that I have with one part of the business, uh, do they impact the interaction I have with the other part of the business? Um, usually at some point that becomes yes. And, you know, data management is, is kind of the, the set of disciplines and tools um, to, to sort through that. Um, and again, it, 
I think about it, it's a lot of it starts at the top in terms of, you know, your chief data officer or whoever your, your executive management is to kind of set those rules and those priorities and, and, and fund those um, teams that are responsible for that. And I, I think a big thing, again, like a success factor there is, is a concept of, of ownership, right? You know, who, who owns your data and who, you know, frankly, who, who gets a raise and a promotion when things go well and who gets fired or, or you know, in, in deep trouble when things are bad. A lot of times as, as organizations kind of set up different siloed systems, that part about ownership isn't as clear. Um, so data management, again, these terms can mean a lot of things to different people, but to me, it's like, who is your owner of your data? And then what are the, the processes and the, the tools and the technology and the people um, underneath that person that kind of are responsible for taking your data um, to a higher level? Uh, and then a big part of that too is what quality is your data? How do you know that data is clean or dirty? Are you measuring it um, and are you doing that consistently? And do you have ways to uh, you know, make metrics so that you can see over time that, that that data quality is improving or you know, hopefully not decreasing? So that all kind of falls within you know, the, a bucket of, of data management. And then you can, of course, go deep into different you know, domains of you know, master data management and metadata and data lineage and you know, all, all sorts of fun things that, that are usually very, very powerful to do um, you know, in, that, in that area. Got it. So now we, we, we've been talking about internal data for the most part, but in the very first question, when I asked you about the different trends, you, you mentioned that there, there's also trade-offs about uh, data integrations. And as we see nowadays, data gets generated, whether it's by our customers directly on individual platforms, or it may be generated by a third party. And we may decide to uh, acquire that data, bring it in somehow and derive value. And we see that a lot of that value is not in raw data, is in the inside, what, what is known as the insights, which can also mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, right? But Talking about data and third, uh, data integrations and regarding third-party integrations, what would you say are some lesson, like things to, to know when you're either bringing data from the outside or you're trying to maximize the value of your own data by joining it with other data sets? Wow. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot to, to unpack there too. Um, so anytime you're, you know, the, the data generally is an asset, right? So anytime, the more data you get, the more the more value you can potentially get out of insights or, or whatnot. You know, there, there's, like I said kind of before with the data strategy, there's some really powerful things you could do with data that you really shouldn't do unless you're a big company, right? It'd be kind of foolish to try to recreate the data advantage that Facebook and Google have about, you know, all the consumers, especially, you know, in the US and, and you know, Western countries, it's they, they have that data available and you can, of course, you know, partner with them and pay them some money to have access to those analytics. There's some really interesting data, uh, interesting things when, when companies kind of put their data together and there's some ways to do that that protects privacy and you know, doesn't actually share the data, but um, kind of randomizes it and puts it into like a, a common data lake where you can then start to, you know, if you could build a powerful model on you know, 50 fields from your company and there's 50 fields that another company has that are complementary. Uh, you could both probably get a lot of value out of making a hundred field model, because um, with, with you know machine learning and AI, sometimes the more the more fields you can get that are providing you kind of a unique new signal, um, the better the insight, right? And and you know it's not always more is better because it's definitely like back to my the, the example I said about like my age versus my birthday, 
right? Having both those fields doesn't really provide any value because it'll be the same relationship between whatever age and, and you know, whatever you're trying to predict from that. Um, but, you know, knowing my age and then, you know, knowing uh, if I've signed up for, you know, uh, baby care classes for my one-year-old son, then that starts to be information that you might want to know to, to market or sell to me or to, to better serve me. So there's, there's all sorts of powerful things that, that can happen with data. I guess the important thing to understand is it's, it's, a, it's a value exchange, right? You will get access to data. You may rent it. You may buy it. Um, you will pay money for that access. Um, generally, the, the, the data serving company has a better idea than you do about the value of the data that they're giving you. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of a, of, a, of a disadvantage if it's not, you're not coming from a data centric organization like that, um, that, you know, it's a trade off that you'll have to think about with what the value is versus the cost. Um, but generally, it's, it's a good thing to do, but you do have to be careful about like what you're giving up. Is it just money? You're just paying them or are you giving them your data? In certain cases, we've seen, you know, where, where companies are, are going into partnerships where they're sending data over and they're getting some data back. And, you know, sometimes, the, especially like, a, you know, younger kind of more data native comp companies are really good at uh, taking advantages of these situations, getting a lot of information from them, and then giving some scores back or some, some you know, less, less, less useful information. Um, and so then that's all kind of about a negotiation and, and a contracting and, and really making sure that you protect yourself, um, which is also an interesting trend because you know, it used to be just lawyers and business um, people kind of make these deals and right, you know, we're going to do a joint venture with XYZ and they're going to pay us this and this is going to be the terms and the lawyer makes sure everything is kind of legal. You really now have to have a data stakeholder in those conversations too, because it's what fields are we sending over? What tables? How are we preparing the data? How's our data going to sit with their data? What data are we receiving from them? Like, how do we know what to send and when? Um, and so there's a, a much more technical side of these conversations. Um, so whenever you see one of these big, you know, data exchanges between companies, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and then you can usually tell based on like, uh, you know, who wrote the press release and, and what, what kind of value is coming out of it, which, which company had the better uh, negotiators in that. But, you know, I think that's an important part for businesses because it, you know, it's, it, it is foolish to try to build and replicate certain domains of data. You should really, you know, double down on the domain of data that is your specialty make that your asset, and then you can go into those negotiations and, and kind of do those partnerships and try to extract more value. Hope that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, so, so it sounds like you need to have a lot more context, both business context and technology context when you're coming into these discussions. But you did bring up multiple times the legal aspect. And nowadays, there's an increasing number of regulations, whether it's in, in, in Europe or in the US, depending where you're located. The, the reality is that uh, data privacy is here to stay. And Anyone that's in the business of creating data products has to be aware, has to be almost an expert in a lot of different uh, regulations that apply differently to different geographical areas and that just will continue, seems like, to get tighter and tighter. So what kind of advice do you have, whether it's for new companies or existing companies, uh, on how do they basically, how, how do they work with all these new regulatory requirements around the usage of data? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely getting into like a defensive data strategy, which is un unfortunately, it needs to be a part of, of a conversation if you're, you're dealing with this type of data. Um, you know, there's no one one answer fits all. I mean, you know, obviously the, the self-serving answer is there's a lot of consultants out there who, um, you know, know these regulations and can help navigate them. 
Um, and I think that there's a time and place where that's appropriate, but, but broadly speaking, you have to really understand your data and what's, what's involved. What are you collecting? What are you keeping kinds of decisions you're doing, uh, making with them and, you know, staying abreast of all the, the regulations that, you know, may, may come into contact with your, with, with the, the domain that you work in. And obviously having a strong data management function is going to be critical to responding to these regulations because you, you, you may not be surprised, but some of your listeners might be surprised how many large companies can't even tell you, um, you know, how many different counterparties are getting their data or where are all the databases in which, you know, social security numbers is stored, for example. You know, there, there is varying degrees of uh, cleanliness of that data. And especially maybe social security number is kind of more widely known. Um, those are kind of like, uh, you know, primary identifiers. Um, but, you know, there's some of these laws talk about things that can identify me uh, kind of by inference, right? So like, you know, maybe not my address, but the fact that I live in an apartment building in a certain part of town and, you know, do certain things, maybe too much, um, too much information um, or, the, or, you know, it just depends on the regulation and the, uh, and the context. And without getting too, too bogged down in, in those details, I guess it's important to understand your data, important to understand the regulations. If you don't have people in your organization right now who, who can do both and have those people talking on a regular basis, that's an important hire. And it's, it's really, you know, once, once you recognize that some of this stuff is going to impact your business, making the investment in data management and kind of doing the defensive thing and, and really being uh, proactive is going, to be, is going to be the more cost-effective way. When that doesn't happen, then, then you start needing to turn to, to third parties and consultancies like EY and, and others. I mean, obviously, we, we help in all stages of, of this, but, um, you know, some of, some of our most intense projects happen when, when a regulator comes, on, comes in and asks a data question that our, our clients don't know how to answer um, and they don't have the people in place uh, to do it. And so, you know, you need to quickly scale up a team. Consultants are great for that. Uh, come in, do some work. And then hopefully leave behind um, the answer the regulator is looking for, as well as kind of a roadmap to how to get to a place where you don't need to do that again. Um, and so there's definitely service providers out there that will help you get through that if, if you find yourself in that situation. But the best the best way is to be prepared and, and start to think a little bit more about defense if you've been only on offense mode. Got it. Yeah, that's that's definitely great advice, and that puts us towards the end of this episode where we've covered uh, quite a few different areas. So I wanted also to give you an opportunity to talk about any personal projects or anything you want to say about your firm. This is uh, your time. To Great. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything, you know, too personal to promote right now, but the, uh, the firm, you know, I work for Ernst Young and uh, we have a, a fairly large consulting division. We're always doing uh, recruitment for people out of school as well as experienced hires. Um, and so, you know, I'm certainly happy to speak with anybody in your, in your audience, uh, that, you know, want to reach out. I'm pretty easy to find on, on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, but you know, it's always interesting to talk to people if you have an interest in, um, you know, business and technology. And if you're like me, where you, you kind of want to learn about both, but you kind of want to also not go too deep in one and want to keep one foot in both. And, and, you know, it, consulting is great. If you're, if you're curious, if you, um, you don't mind working hard on interesting things um, and you like being the dumbest person in every room, uh, I highly recommend consulting. It's a great way to, to learn and, um, and push yourself. And uh, so certainly happy to talk to anyone about EY or even just consulting in general. Um, having come from a non-consulting and then making the transition is something that uh, not as many people do. And so my perspective is sometimes helpful, sometimes not. But um, you know, I would, I would encourage anybody who uh, is thinking about it to, to give it a shot, especially in COVID um, and with a lot of things changing in the, in the world. Um, 
there's no, there's no time like today to start really pursuing things that, that are interesting that involve change, especially in the data space, because it only seems to be getting, uh, you know, a bigger and, and, and more exciting part of uh, what's going on in the world. So my only plug is let me know if I can be, be of any help to you or, or anyone else listening. Great. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the audience appreciates it. And we'll share your, your contact details in the show notes as well. So thanks again for, for joining uh, the show today. We had a, a great conversation. Could talk about this for hours probably. Uh, but I think in the interest uh, of the audience to keep it somewhat brief and not go into too much depth about specific topics, uh, is a good place to end it. So thanks again for joining and, and hope you have a, a great rest of your day. Absolutely. Thanks, Daniel. That's it for the show today. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe.